We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hello, this is Cheryl Broderson in studio with my good friend and fellow podcaster, Rob. <laughs> you say your name. I am Robin Jones Gunn, the fellow podcaster. <laughs> and we have so much fun doing this. And Robin and I just love talking about these women and bringing these women to you each week. And we keep saying these women are our friends. It's by it's studying true. them. We're just like, oh. But I'm really excited today (laughs) about um, who you're bringing to us because you told me a story Mm -hmm. about when you spoke at a school in Hawaii. You were actually invited to this school. Tell me a little bit about how that invitation came about. We are going to talk about Kahumanu today, who is a well-known woman in Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian history. And I found over the years when we lived there and the many times we visited that there were so many conflicting accounts of who she was, what she actually did. So I began digging years ago into the resources that were available on the books. And I have just a very tender love for Hawaiian history and want to be respectful and understand the culture and see where the the stories that are told, where they came from. So I try to get back to the most original source. So after years of gathering information on Kahumanu and, and putting together um, notes on her, I was invited to speak at a Hawaiian Islands ministry conference. And during that workshop, one of the women was a teacher at the Kamehameha Schools on Oahu and said, do you think you could come tomorrow to our chapel and be our guest speaker? That's soon. The next day. Hello. Everything you said today, (laughs) I want my students to hear it. So I said, sure. My husband and I went to the beautiful campus of the Kamehameha Schools. The students there at that time were all Hawaiian descent, even if it was 1%. But Mm -hmm. the students had to go to chapel on Sunday mornings. And there were 400 students when I walked in the beautiful Pauahi Chapel with this koa wood. And I love koa wood. Oh, Mm -hmm. so beautiful. And the chaplain, or in Hawaiian, the kahu, uh, you know, sort of looked at me like, I agreed for you to come, but you're pretty white. Like, who are you? (laughs) And (laughs) it was very polite. If you're not in studio and if you haven't seen Robin, she's blonde haired. Blue-eyed, fair skin. <laughs> very white. <laughs> yes, it's very Swedish. I'll just say it. <laughs> Swedish? Oh, well, it's actually Welsh, Irish, and German, but there you are. Swedish kind of is... Yeah, the Swedes got in there, in there somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> so when I was invited to stand at the podium and speak, these 400 students are looking at me, and I said, I'd like to tell you a story. That's how I love to start talks. I'd like to tell you a story. It's about a woman who was 100% Hawaiian. Well, their interest is right there because how many are 100% Hawaiian in this day and age? They didn't know who I was talking about. And I said, she learned to surf the longboards off the Kohala coast on the big island. And she um, flew these tapa kappa cloth kites that were 15 feet long. And so I'm telling 
about her as if she's a contemporary. I said she was six feet tall, weighed 300 pounds. She had a tattoo on her thigh and on her right palm and on her tongue. And they're leaning forward like, who is she? I want to meet her. (laughs) I said, this is Ka'ahumanu. And the looks on their faces of disbelief, this is not the image they had of this royal ruler. When I finished telling the story, I, well, I was nearly finished telling the story. And it uh, through the windows that were around the chapel, it began to rain this really soft spring, fine, misty rain. It was so beautiful. And the students were facing the podium, but the kahu, the chaplain, was right behind me. And he and I could see this rain. And he whispered, ah, oh, the blessing, oh. the blessing. Oh. And so I started crying right with the rain. And I I just looked at those students who were so engaged in these details of their woman, Kahumanu, and I said, what am I doing standing here telling you your story? This is your story. She's your woman. That's beautiful. I love her, but you need to tell these stories. Mm. And those students lined up afterwards it was lunch it was brunch they they should have fled the chapel they lined up they they tearfully told me their stories that their wow. tutus their grandmas had told them wow they promised they were going to do their senior report on wow. someone in hawaiian history who had not been you know, and I challenged them, you go to the Bishop Museum like I did. You go down in that basement with DeSoto Brown, who's the most amazing historian, and you dig up the original documents. You go to the Mission House Museum. This is something your mom used to oh, my mother love to research. Loved um, the true history of Hawaii. Yes. And the missionary stories. And she would visit that museum um, every trip, probably almost daily. Yep, it sounds she like me. It. Yes. I probably saw her there and didn't know who didn't she was. didn't even know, right? Because in the uh, Mission Houses Museum on Oahu, in the archives, well air-conditioned, and I had been invited in to put on the white gloves and get the tweezers, and I'd even my most recent trip, I was invited to go in the back, and I got to hold one of the original, very first Bibles, complete Bibles printed in the Hawaiian language. Wow. It's about four inches high. That's right. So thick. So this is what I was challenging these students to do. Afterwards, the chaplain, Kahu Cordell, said, "Um, come to my office. And I thought, I hope I didn't overstep. I want to be respectful. I hope, you know, like going to the principal's office. Oh, no, what did I do? (laughs) (laughs) And he stood by his desk, opened a drawer, and pulled out a long, narrow box that had written on it, Liberty House, which... Was uh, it's uh, one stores. of the nicest places. My mother yep. used to go there too for coffee. Yes. and lavash. Yeah, they served oh, lavash with their coffee, and she would go there. Um, that was her walk there, and then to the museum. Yes, and he looked at me and he said, "You have a Hawaiian heart." Mm. I said, "Yes, I I feel like I do," and I I said, "I can't believe." You have a Liberty House box because they've been off the island for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he said, even that you know that Liberty House was a very Hawaiian store. And he opened the box and said, when I began here as the Kahu 30 years ago, the previous Kahu chaplain 
said to me, one day there will come someone with much aloha. They will use their gift to bring light to the next generation of Hawaiians. And he said, I believe today this prophecy was fulfilled. And he took from the box this beautiful old lei and placed it over my neck. And the lei was made of kukui nuts. Those are those dark, round nuts that are hard to crack. But when you do, the oil is used for the lanterns and the, the tiki torches and and for lotion. So that that light that comes from that oil of the kukui nuts. And wow. then in between each kukui nut was a little box, a woven um, lahala box, which is the... The strands from the lahala tree that are easy to bend and make mats and to make these little boxes. And when you bring a gift, you put it in a lahala box that's wow. from the woven. And he said, this prophecy to use your gift, mm-hmm. like the lahala boxes, to bring light wow. from the kukui nuts smashed to the next generation and wow. to say, today, this prophecy was fulfilled. I did not understand what that meant. I, I thanked him. I walked out with this lay, and I did feel kind of like the mantle, right, <laughs> you know, right, right. <laughs> have been passed. But I didn't know what that meant. And so for it's probably been 15 years since then, and I have just continued to gather stories and gather the information so that this is well this is something you and I face every time we try to pull stories of people in history especially for Hawaiians before there was an alphabet or before right. the Hawaiians were recording right. their history it was an oral tradition for so many centuries and so we have you and I both talked about this sense that we want to get it right but you look at three sources and there's three different dates and three different right. opinions right. or there's big gaps of years completely missing right so i wanted to say all that at the beginning it, if especially if we have any listeners who are hawaiian i have nothing but the deepest respect for the culture and for the history and i i want to get it right and I submit this story that we're going to talk about, Kahumanu. And I'm sure it'll be a couple episodes because there's much to tell. But her influence on her people, but also on the world at that time in history is, is her story needs to be told. I love that. But, you know, Robin, too, um, you lived in Hawaii. And, you know, a lot of people go over there to exploit it. But you went there and you were like, I love I love these people. I love yes. this island. And you sought out to know what the people were like. That's how my mom was, too. I think that's why um, we used to rent a house on Oahu um, near Coconut um, Beach. And my mom would walk every day. And she would like to walk to the museum, have my dad pick her up after she had her coffee and lavash, and visited the museum. But she felt that same, I think it's the aloha spirit, that just drawing her in and just this love, this burden for the people, for the people on the islands, which is, I I sense that, you know, we had, Robin and I, when when we first met and talked, 
we hit it off and we had all this commonality. Um, even with, you know, you talking about, you know, loving these people. I'm like, my mother went to that museum, <laughs> took me there. She loved yes. it. And it, it's so exciting. So I'm so excited about these episodes. Also, because you've told me previously just a little bit about her story. Yes. And I've been waiting oh, good. for this day. With good, good, anticipation, good. and you're going to be listeners. Put your seatbelt on. You're going to like this. There's a great Hawaiian word that it's manao, and it means that your knowledge, your your understanding. Mm-hmm. And I have had many conversations with Hawaiians who have this rhythm of you share your manao while the other person listens respectfully and politely and gains insights. And also forms their opinions. And once you've shared your mana'o, then you patiently listen as they share theirs. And I have felt such a sense in those times of growing an understanding of the culture in general, but also of the details of history. But how opposite that is to our Western rhythm of put something up on social media and everybody says their opinion rather than that patience and listening and understanding and having the the respect. Mm-hmm. I think our generation were very quick to criticize or find fault, which is an easy, easy thing to do. But to understand takes patience and listening and um, deep listening, really, mm-hmm. because you're listening not just to hear, but to understand. And I think that's... Yes. How um, myself, along with the listeners, are going to come to this story. And that's what we're inviting you to do, to listen so you can understand. What a, what a wonderful concept. Maybe we should begin. Yes. <laughs> so my, I want to call her my friend, my friend Ka'ahumanu. What a woman. She was born in... Maybe 1768 again, depends on who's recording what. We had a fluctuation of about 12 years in all the books that I had. And But she was born in Ahana, Maui, in a cave. Wow. Her mother, um, Namahana, was from a line of Maui chiefs. And her father, Ke'ea Umoku, I believe, uh, was a chief from the Big Island. He served Kamehameha the Great and had helped to promote him to power. So Kahumanu's father was a warrior, fierce, and she, as a child, actually witnessed him killing people in battle. Wow. And her mother had this strong, from the line of Maui chiefs, just this regal training that she gave to Kahumanu. Now, this was, she was born, again, the date's a little uncertain, but it was, she was probably between 6 and 12 years old when uh, Captain Cook sailed into the Kealakaku Bay at the Big Island, and that began the Western influence. Here came more ships as the years went on, the years went on, the, the influence then was changing as the Hawaiian people saw how the outside world lived, ate, mm-hmm. dressed, mm-hmm. thought. So when Kahumanu was probably 10 years old, she was promised 
to Kamehameha the Great to be one of his wives. Wow. He had between 19 and 32 wives, depending on which historian you read. Oh, my goodness. But she became his favorite wife. And she was kept um, on the Kohala Coast where Kamehameha was and was that's where she learned to surf, a special surfboard made just for her, instructors to help her understand watching the waves. Um, and she flew those huge kites that once the wind got them, they had to be tied to a tree because they would have just taken off. Oh, my goodness. And while she was there during her those early teen years, she was learning all the time. She probably married him when she was about 13. Wow. Maybe 15. Mm-hmm. And because he started to regard her advice as being really valuable. He, that's how she became the favorite wife. She was clever, and um, akamai is the Hawaiian word, and she would go with them on the ships when these whalers, sailors, traders started coming into port, and she would ask questions and listen and have the translators give her this deeper understanding of the world beyond her. Wow. So when she was given gifts over and over from these captains, it it brought out this love for beautiful things. She and Kamehameha the Great never had children of their own, but she had adopted children. Well, Liholiho, who then became the next king, was considered her adopted son. Mm. Um, In Hawaiian, they call it Hanai, where they take them in and treat them as if they're their own child, even though his mother's still living, and wow. but she's this child is sort of assigned mm. to another set of parents. Now, you and I always ask this: Well, what did she look like? Right. We love it. We, we right. even a, an artist rendition. And there are some from uh, explorers who came and they had an artist on board and they'd sketch her. But George Vancouver, who sailed with Captain Cook, and actually um he was he was with Cook when Cook was killed mm. off the shore, right there at the Big Island, and then Vancouver returned three more times on his own on expeditions. He described her when she was fifteen years old as an unexpectedly delightful and romantic young woman, one of the finest women we had yet seen on any of the islands. Wow. I mean, he'd sailed all over the South mm-hmm. Pacific, and wow, she was something. And we don't think that in our—she was 300 pounds. She right. was six feet tall. Right. You know, but um, uh, this other Hawaiian historian later wrote—this was Samuel Kamakau. He said, she was a handsome woman, six feet tall, straight and well-formed was Kahumanu, without blemish and comely. Her arms were like the inside of a banana stalk. It sounds like Song of Solomon. I was just thinking that, yes. <laughs> Your neck is like the Tower of David. <laughs> right, right. Your nose is as the Tower of Lebanon po- pointing to the east. You're like, oh, is that good? <laughs> Your hair is like a flock of goats. I mean, it's Your great. eyes are like the pool of Heshbon. <laughs> we know this one. Yes, we do. <laughs> and same thing here as Samuel's is like describing her. Her fingers tapering like palms, pliable like cuckoo, um, nene grass, graceful in repose. Her cheeks long in shape and pink as the bud of a banana stem. 
Her eyes like those of a dove or moho bird, her nose narrow and straight in admirable proportion to her cheeks, her arched eyebrows shaped to the breadth of her forehead, her dark hair wavy and fine, her skin very light, of Kamehameha's two possessions, his wife and his kingdom, she was the more beautiful. Oh, wow. I mean, if you've been to Hawaii, yes. it's pretty beautiful. Yes, so, but what a compliment, too. And you wonder how much of that, like you said, is she was bright and she was delightful in personality. Yes. And what is it? A merry heart um, shines like, you know, on a yeah. countenance, you know, does well like medicine in the Proverbs. And so you can see how um, engaging she would be. I mean, this is delightful. <laughs> Continue, please. I know. She's she's one we're really going to have fun with yeah, in heaven. I'm liking her. Oh. So her early experiences, as I said, after about 30 years of foreign influence, um, that was when Kamehameha the Great united all the islands. That was in 1810. This had never happened before. But he was able to do that because of the guns and cannons that were made gifts to him. Wow. And some former sailors who stayed on the islands who knew how to use this equipment. So all the Hawaiian islands were united. So much bloodshed. Oh. During this time, there was still worship of all the foreign gods. There was um, human sacrifice mm. still taking place. So Kahumanu, this was what she started. This was her beginnings. This was mm. her understanding and her culture at that time. And she was fiercely devoted to Kamehameha. Again, she was his favorite wife. Thirteen years after they were married, he took another one of his many wives. And when she found out about it, she couldn't believe it because it was one of her sisters. Oh, my. And so Kahumanu uh, jumped in the ocean. She swam six miles at night in shark-infested waters to go show up. Hello. What at the wedding? At wherever he was with his oh, new wife. My goodness. What a woman. What a woman. Yep. She didn't even take her surfboard. <laughs> no. <laughs> and paddle that. But six mile swim. Yeah. Wow. At night. Shark mm-hmm. infested. Wow. I'm gonna go find out what's going on. Yes. Nobody messed with her. Yes. She really had the the mana, you know, the power, the mm-hmm. presence. There was a French artist who described her uh, by saying her manner was engaging and not surprised at the strong attachment Kamehameha had for her. Then this is recorded of what Kamehameha the Great said of her. She is all things. She is undefeatable. Strong in times of crisis, she can also ride the waves like a bird. And she as is, sorry, she is as lovely as a lahala blossom. Wow. Which are sort of, they're white and they kind of look like a white bird of paradise. They're okay. just really elegant and wow. stunning. So as she became this valued advisor to Kamehameha the Great, he appointed her or named her the Ali'i Nui. Ali'i, the Hawaiian word for royalty or the, the chiefs, the rulers, the Ali'i, and the Ali'i Nui would be, maybe we'd call it a prime minister or mm. queen. She's often referred to as Queen Kahumanu. And his specific power that he 
um, vested in her was that she was within her person able to protect life and be a sanctuary. So there were cities of refuge during that time if you committed a crime, very mm-hmm. much, Biblical, again, yeah. showing that influence of the Old Testament and that teaching being part of mm-hmm. what was established on the Hawaiian Islands, that great mystery of how all that knowledge came there. Mm. But that uh, she, if it was said that, that Kamehameha the Great uh, dealt out death and she saved from death. Wow. So that someone could mm-hmm. seek mercy from her. Exactly. Wow. And she had that power within mm-hmm. her. So, so sad when Kamehameha the Great died. He'd ruled the islands for 37 years. He wow. united the islands. He was a great warrior. There's many accounts of him coming on shore in an outrigger and as a test, the warriors would throw spears at him and he would catch all of them. No. Half a dozen at a time. Wow. He was something. Yeah. Well, what a power couple. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she swims six the miles original. <laughs> in shark infested water and he catches spears. Yes. So when he died, um, and maybe he was 70 again, don't know, but he lived a long, mm-hmm. full life. And that's when his 21-year-old son, Liho Liho, became king. That was the Hanai, the adopted son right. of Kahumanu. So there was a closeness there already. But Liho Liho in 21 years had grown up without any war mm. because Kamehameha the Great had accomplished all that uniting the right. islands and it was right. a time of great peace. Mm-hmm. And that affected his courage, I think, mm. or his strength. He was not going to stand up to her. Mm. So when we continue with our episode two, I'm going to tell you what happened at the coronation of Liho Liho and how Kahumanu, already knowing that she was the premier, she was the the um, queen. Queen and, mother almost. Yes, right? and had mm-hmm. all that power already given to her. So what was it going to look like after this had been a generation and after generation of men, kings, wow. powerful warriors mm-hmm. ruling the islands. So she's kind of the surrogate queen in some way because um, Lee Liho 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 was the king didn't himself. have the strength to rule. So he's looking to his surrogate or his adopted mother for the strength and the wisdom that she had already demonstrated mm-hmm. in her marriage um, and leadership during the time of uh, King Kamehameha. And was he a little intimidated by her? Perhaps. <laughs> and Liho Leo at that time, I think he already had five wives at that time. Wow. So none of them stood a chance of right, <laughs> having right. any say in anything or any power because Kahumanu was the woman. And she's she's not that old. You know, she's no. really, she's probably only, depending Let's on her birth date, see. she'd be in her 30s maybe at the most, 20s or 30s. Yep, she's probably, probably um, mid to upper 30s. Mm-hmm. She wasn't 40 yet. Mm-hmm. So she could exercise a lot of power at that time. So I'm... You think so? I think so. Find I out. can't wait. Come back. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Because I don't think we've ever, ever gotten to the place when you're telling me this story to the coronation. So this is going to be really exciting. So 
we're going to leave you with that cliffhanger. Now, remember, this is a woman who swam six miles in shark-infested waters to uh, stop her, her... Be with the being, man she loved. Right, and to kind of... Find out what is... What quelch, are you doing? Right. Quelch the relationship <laughs> with the newest wife, her, her sister. Amazing. So what's she going to do at this coronation and how is she going to navigate this? That's our next episode. I can't wait. So we'll see you or we'll, you'll hear from us next week. I bet you're as excited as I am. Until then, this is Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones Gunn. Aloha. Oh, I like that. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and our new co-host, Robin Gunn. For more information about Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. For more information about Robin, visit RobinGunn.com. That's gun with two N's. Or follow her on Instagram and Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at CCCM.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Gunn.